Blog Talk Radio. All right, we are here in the house. Yes, yes, yes. Officially welcome to Wednesday. Warriors! We have some warriors in the house with us here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm so glad that they decided to spend their Wednesday with me. Chief Prophet Tyler Price, your uh, I should say discussion facilitator for Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum, written by our one and only favorite author, Dr. Paula A. Price. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I know you guys are excited for us to get into the book, and I'm excited for us to get into the book. We've been on this amazing journey now for quite some time. We've gotten all the way up to seven chapters together. Those of you guys who have been with us from the very, very beginning, we've gotten all the way up to chapter seven, talking about some amazing things concerning what happened to us before time began. Life before time began. Yes? So we've been doing that together. So I'm excited about tonight. We're going to talk about some amazing things. We're going to have a Scripturally organic review, okay, because Dr. Price is uh, taking us on a journey every Sunday now. If you are unaware, Dr. Price joins us now, uh, or joining you now every Sunday there on Periscope and Facebook, okay, or I think it's just Periscope on Sunday, so let me not, let me not tease you Facebook like that, but at least on Sunday morning, Scripturally Organic Christianity, and it's been amazing. I mean, she's been walking the floor in these messages and taking us someplace. My God, I said, people talk about heaven, but Dr. Price takes you there. Okay, she takes you right on it. So we're going to have a little bit of review from Sunday. That's going to be very, very important, right, for us to do that review and uh, talk a little bit about that. And then after that, we're going to get into some things uh, related to Chapter 7 in the book. I know you guys were wondering if we were going to get back to our reading, but we are. And so I want to invite you to go ahead and get your books out right now, those of you guys who have them. If you don't have your copy of Before the Garden, I want to invite you to go ahead and purchase it right now at www.drpaulaaprice.com. That's www.drpaulaaprice.com. Get a copy of your edition, your own personal edition. As you can see, mine has been worn thin. And it's a big book to wear out. Hallelujah. So go ahead and pick up your copy. It's only $21.99. That is a small price to pay for the revelation that's going to change your life. Literally, I know a lot of people say that this is oh, it's going to be deep and life changing. Boy, the Dr. Price means it. She means that this thing is going to transform you from the inside out, which is what we're here to do tonight, right? Yes. How many of you guys came in the room, okay, to be informed so you can be transformed? Yes. We want to be molded and shaped into a product. We're not here to sermonize, okay? We are here to change. We are here to be transformed, amen? So what I want you to do now is get a copy of your book out. I want you to go ahead and grab your journal, okay? We've got, I see the journals in the room here. Grab your journal, get your coffee, and go tell a friend before the garden is on. Wednesday Warriors is live, and Chief Prophet Paula Price, along with our Dr. Paula Price material, is going to go there tonight. So share, 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 share. Go ahead and take a moment and let your friends know as you're getting situated in your cozy chair, we're getting situated in here. Yes. 
because we are ready to be transformed by this thing. God's going to show us tonight some amazing things as we talk about time, space, continuum a little bit, right? We've been promising how God can be outside of time, regulating things in time, and getting them to happen on time while he's not a part of time. Isn't that amazing? And we're going to talk about that. We're talking about being transformed, being informed so you can be transformed because you can't do more than what you know. Most people say, I'm just doing what I know to do in God. Well, now we're here to expand that knowledge so you can do more. Who wants to do more? Our scripture, come on, that's all right in here. Yes, we're excited. We want to do more in God. A scripture that we've been standing on, right? Daniel 12, 32, 11, 36. You know, me and his addresses, we don't get together. Those that know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. If all you can do is what you know right now, tell me how strong in God you think you are today. We're all thinking. A lot of what we're doing, we're doing just by what we see and just by blind faith and obedience to the Holy Ghost and blind instinct, not because it's what we necessarily know. But imagine, oh, come on. If you can increase the expanse of your knowledge in God, how much more you can do in God. They used to have that back in the day. How many of y'all remember that back in the day when, when we were kids? They used to have uh, the more you know, the more you grow. Y'all remember that? Yeah, y'all don't. Because I got millennials in this room. I'm looking at y'all right here. We got millennials in this room. Like, uh. <laughs> we don't know nothing about that. But the more you know, the more you grow. A lot of times, our relationship with God becomes stagnant because our knowledge of him has been confined, has been derailed, or has altogether deceased. When you keep hearing the same messages over and over again, you can quote the sermon, you're not growing because you're not knowing more about your God. Oh, okay. Dr. Price wrote this book because she wanted us to not only have knowledge, but she wanted us by this knowledge to grow thereby. Grow thereby in our faith. Grow thereby in our hope. Grow thereby in our diligence. Grow thereby in our consistency. And grow thereby in our power. Because the kingdom of God did not just come for words. It came for power. Does that make sense? And you cannot move in the power of something you don't know. They say knowledge is what? And understanding is access. Because you will not be able to access the power of anything if you don't understand it. When it's when it, our proverb says, get wisdom, and in all thy getting, get what? Understand it. Do you recognize that he said that wisdom was the principal thing? Now, think about that for a moment. Wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is. For all the character traits we know about the Almighty God and the ones that we, okay, put to the forefront, emphasize as the church, wisdom is the principle. What do we emphasize as the church right now? Come on, you can say it. Oh, all right. Norma just said it out loud. Mr. Norma said love. For all of us emphasizing how much God is love, he said the principal thing, the founding thing, what creation is resting on is not just his love, it's his wisdom. 
come on in the place. It's his wisdom. And that is the one thing that we often try to avoid in our Christian walk is wisdom. Well, I don't know, you know, God just knows my heart. I'm just doing whatever I can. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just out here trying to make it. Not trying to get wisdom. James says if you want wisdom, all you have to do is ask for it. It's not something that's really hard for God. Other than the fact that you need a little bit of wisdom to know you need to ask for it. Okay? But it's not hard for God. But wisdom is a principal thing. It's a foundational thing that pulls all of this together. Creation is operating by God's wisdom. In the beginning was the word. Okay? What is the Greek term? Logo. Like Dr. Christ says to us all the time. Logic. How things are functioning in the world is moving according to Christ's logic system. The wisdom that he attains as being God, as being creator. Predestination is based on not just God's judgment cause, but his wisdom. Okay. I'll put it on the board. How about that? Hope y'all like my chicken scratch. Vanna in here today. Now put this up in front of it. Godly wisdom. We think that God predestined things because he was afraid or because he didn't, He wants to judge us or because he's singling you out. No, he made pre, predestination or what we call what? Presolution. How many of y'all been following us? If you haven't, you want to go back and look at the other terminology. But presolution, he pre-solved all of his problems using wisdom. Because wisdom would ensure sure that he would get the right or most precise and accurate outcome. When you want precision and you want accuracy, you seek wisdom. Because we can even say, can we argue that knowledge will even guarantee a precise outcome? You may know something, but apply it inaccurately. You might be aware of something. Exposed of something, and even with all of that, still cannot produce the outcome you achieve. Wisdom and your knowledge simply apply or rightly apply to a situation. It's giving it the right measurement, the right dose, the right application, the right interpretation, because even poor interpretation of knowledge will lead to error. Will it not? Your poor interpretation of something, your misunderstanding of something, can lead to error. A lot of times we don't achieve God's outcomes because our application of God's mind is wrong. You cannot use human wisdom and get God's results. Human wisdom will not achieve God's results. And that's what the devil and that's what the world wants you trust in. Humanism. In your human logic. And that's why we cannot apply, why we cannot rely on human logic. Someone just give me an answer today of why we cannot rely on human logic. We all say Facebook and Periscope. Share, share, share. If you go on today, go ahead and finish that again. It's demonic. Thank you. Human logic is demonic because it was intercepted and infiltrated in, remember, our tree fall. So the logic that, that Eve chose to eat, how do I know this? That's why human wisdom will get you in trouble. How do we know this? 
going is, why, why not? We'll start with true talk, okay? Is that okay? Why do we know that? Human logic or human wisdom won't produce the righteousness of God. Because what did he say in the reason she gave? We talked about this last week. Yes. It looks good to her to what? Making one wise. She uses she uses the devil's logic and the devil's wisdom that he gained was from his before the garden experience to now shape her perspective of God's creation. So she's not looking at God's creation in purity. She's looking at God's creation from the eye of Satan's issues, from the eye of Satan's criticism, complaints, and rivalry with his creator. Oh, come on. So his wisdom is based on rivaling the creator. Remember, his whole objection is that he felt like he deserved that seat. So he set in motion a whole system, a whole belief system, a whole performance system that would get him that seat. Oh, come on in here. He had no choice but to end up producing error because all of creation was already designed by a different logic system. Oh, y'all didn't hear that, did you? He had no choice but to end up as the counterbalance because everything that was already in existence was operating by the nature of God. God produced creation, Romans 1, according to his nature. Not even just his preferences, although his nature was shaped by those. God knew what would make him live, and he knew what would make him die. And he conformed his nature to that of life. He doesn't just say I'm a God of life because he wants to keep you alive. He's a God of life because he chose life for himself. Life is in him. And he, he, he literally removed every impurity from his makeup that would cause him to die. He got rid of every impure thing. When we get to the chapter on hell, we'll talk about that more. But everything in God starts with nature, himself, and how he composed it to live. Okay. That's the predestination piece. How he composed it to live. Your destiny is not just written. Your destiny is not just spoken. Your destiny is encoded in your composition. It's how you were composed to function. When you think about our computers and you think about your mobile devices, come on in the place, how were they created? Okay, it started with a thought. That's true. But they were composed and programmed to function a certain way. So the destiny for the mobile phone is to do this, communicate in various ways. If the mobile phone decided it was just going to be a microphone, what would happen? What if it decided that it was just going to be a, 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 a tape player? What if it decided it wanted to be a CD? What's the problem with that? Just using our basic understanding. What's the problem with it? It doesn't have the capacity. The reason why God stays in control is to 
Turkey. 
sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. she doesn't eat pork. I, I forgot about this. She doesn't eat pork. Okay? Some turkey, some, some substance. Okay? <laughs> By the time she says, you don't know what it is. All right, go ahead and share, share, share. Because, see, people keep trying to make this thing about the B-I-B-L-E. But this is why, uh, this, oh, come on here. This is why we're doing before. This is why Christianity supersedes everything. Because everything, come on, everything related to Christ was already composed by his life before he put any creature on it. Right. See, your faith predates creation. And its constitution is already encoded in everything you see by its creator. God's constitution, and we were talking about how God's constitution is paperless, actually, what she said. Because it's in the composition of everything he made. It's not just written down in the scriptures. The scriptures are revealing the composition. That's why Romans 1 says that you will know your God by the attributes. Oh, come on. By the attributes in creation. Why? Because his constitution is in the composition of how he made everything. That's why we got laws of physics. That's why we got the laws of nature. That's why we got the laws of science. Come on. We got laws of the spirit. We got laws of everything because it's showing us the composition. And he stays in control because he offers the composition. So no matter how much an ant might want to be a beast, come on in here. And composition is set. Oh, come on. When they talk about that, the order of the species, the animal kingdom. Why did they have a king? Right. Right. Who produced everything out of its own life? It was always understood that if you're under the king, the citizens would be the product of that king, that leadership, that essence, the substance of who they were under. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. That's like the kingdom, because they are the product of a king. They are a product of what happens in a king's dominion. Their domain. Right. Everything about that king made a decision for your life. See, we're not monarchical in the United States, but we don't understand the concept of what Jesus was really trying to do. Right. But everything was composed and designed and encoded before he set anything in motion. Come on, think about it. And Adam wasn't even animated when he was placed there. Okay. Let's go back. Genesis 2-7. Come on here. Man was formed. That was our Wednesday warrior challenge. Right? Our Wednesday warrior challenge was when was man formed? Okay, he was formed. That's where he was formed. But when he when was he formed? Created, rather. When was he formed on earth? Eight day. And what happened on the eighth day? He said what? He breathed into Adam's nostrils, and then he became living. So prior to that, he wasn't even animated. He was persisting and living as God's substance. It's when he gave him his own life that Adam was able to function independently or outside of the body of the creator. Because on the seventh day, we know he was in 
body of the Creator. He was in the womb of God. For God to get him to live outside of himself, he had to bring his own life into him. One time, and we have all of us here today, he did that once. That lets you know how powerful his life is. And that life wasn't, and when he didn't give him, oh, come on, here we go. Ah, yes, all right, you go here today. You're already there. I mean, we keep going there, don't we, on Wednesday. But come on to the place. So he makes him living, he makes him animated. But this is what he does to him. He gives him his life without the property of regeneration. Which is why after Adam ate, he couldn't bring himself back. And that's why God could put the cherubim by the tree of life. Because he said, no, 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 no. Come on. The regenerative power he saved for what? That last act. Because he said, what's going to make you really like us? And not just the power to kill, but the power to make alive. What makes him the God of God is that all the fallen gods that we talked about last week, they can, they, they can kill. The serpent can kill Adam's seed. But he couldn't bring it back. Because he pulled that power out of him. He said, but I, I, I pulled fire out of the midst of you. He caused him to be consumed. And so although he's immortal, he can't reproduce anything. Because we've often wondered how can Satan be dead, considered dead, and not dead? <laughs> right? <laughs> because he has immortal life, but he doesn't have eternal life. Eternal, when we say what's the difference between the two, who remembers that? I know preacher wants to talk so badly, and he's not in the position to do so. Somebody help him out. You feel the pain? Who remembers? Who can talk about that? You can say it, it, it's all right. One is outside of time and one has no ending. No, that's everlasting and eternal life. Okay, immortal and eternal life. One has no death, means no mortality, and uh-huh. one has um, one can keep Right. So one, so the absence of death and mortality. The power to keep regenerating life, eternality. That's why in Hebrews they refer to him as the power of the endless life. He has an endless reservoir. He can keep coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back. So Adam was immortal. He could have lived on and kept eating from a source that would give him life. So the regenerative powers were in the tree of life. He was getting renewed and regenerated by the tree of life. Every time he ate. And who becomes that tree later? I'm the vine. You're the branches. I am the man that which came down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. So now he himself, he was saying that by you embodying me, when he was doing our famous communion scripture, by you embodying me, I'm going to be able to keep regenerating you. That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead come and quicken your mortal flesh. Healing is tapping into 
up and man, I got two laws in my spirit. I'm doing what I don't even want to do. Why? The laws of the flesh. And he had laws for how the flesh would operate under this and what the flesh would do under this. Which is why, although we want to try to do right by God, because of us being sold out to this, he's got to systematically begin to change the laws of your flesh. And as Dr. Price pointed out on Sunday, now he's upgraded this thing because he can't, he's not just judging behavior, he's now judging consciousness and intent. That's not outside, that's also inside. Behavior. Does that make sense? Yes. Because that's where we get stuck. Because morality makes you feel like that God's laws are based on what you consider acceptable and what your understanding of right is. But right is what's been designed. Right is not just a choice. What you choose is if you're going to live in, a, in harmony or in alignment with creation or if you can deal with the consequences of discord. And some of us choose the consequences of discord. We've all done that, even as children. You know, you're not going to get you in trouble. You're going to do it anyway. I'm going to just wait for my woman. Because I want this. Uh-huh. And there are things that we want so bad that we will go ahead and take the destruction. We'll let out the consequence of being in discord. And that's why God can now let us, let us know immediately by the three that are bearing witness on earth, your blood, the word, and the spirit. Okay? But, but what's water? You see how I do? You know, I want to get it right. As I, 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 you know, me and my addresses. And me and Dr. Christ just did this. She said, no, why do I want to keep flipping those? I said, I don't know. <laughs> but those three say they have to agree as one. And when they agree as one, God can let you know, oh, but you just broke the law. And you're breaking laws in your flesh every day without even acknowledging it. We keep thinking the Bible is what's telling you. But God says, I don't need a Bible to tell me. You know what I have? I have the Holy Ghost. I have your blood. I have your conscience. I have the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Your whole makeup is speaking to me every day, letting me know where you are. And that's where we get stuck. Well, the Bible didn't tell me so. And God forgive me. I'm standing in front of God. He said, but your conscience told you. Right. Right. Because now I've written my laws on your heart. I've written them on your spirit. And now God's judging you, like she said, for rebelling against the Holy Spirit, rebelling against what you know, rebelling against that conscience that's pricking you and convicting you. That's what you're rebelling against now. Does that make sense? So we have that. Those laws at work. And so a lot of times people will keep telling you, well, the Bible never says so. But God says, uh-uh, but you're without excuse because creation will tell you. Because how did we even figure out what was going on before the Bible revealed itself? Creation. How did Abel know? There was no Bible. How did Abraham know? There was no Bible. How did Moses know? There was no Bible. So God has been running creation from the beginning by the engagement of his own spirit. Oh, come on. That's why Paul said you 
can't just do this by letter only. You also have to have God's spirit on the inside of you as a witness to what he is wanting to do. And what he's doing, using the Holy Spirit to do is activate your creation, your design, your makeup. If that makes sense. Y'all all right? See, we went there. Uh-huh. We went to some great, huh? 
Yeah. Okay. You can you can erase this for me. But we went to some crazy places last week as we as Dr. Price broke open before the garden for us and understanding what happened in Adam and Eve. Because that's gonna lead us into where we wanna where I wanna wrap down on tonight, which is dealing with the time, space, continuum and all of those great things. All right. So she talked about how uh, Lucifer gained control over them in the garden. Something that God said to me this week that was very that was very pungent and powerful, and I had to just take a moment to ponder my own existence <laughs> for just a moment. He said, every time you decide that you want to placate to your weakness, you will lose, and you will give the enemy an opportunity to usurp authority over you. He said Adam and Eve lost because they played to their weakness. They believed that they were weaker than the serpent. They believed that he had something they did not. And they nursed that. They nursed that conversation of their own imperfection, their own weakness, and something being wrong with them to the point that they allowed Lucifer or his alternative to become the answer and to become the solution and become the source of his power. Whatever you allow to make you weak will become the source of your power. If you allow your negative thoughts to make you weak, they will become the source of your power. If you allow all of your concerns and fears and doubts and insecurities to make you weak, they will become your power. And they will also provide the solution to that power for you. Whether that be drugs, whether that be alcohol, whether that be some sort of addiction, they will conveniently provide the solution for your weakness. He said, either I made you strong and this word in you works or it doesn't. But whatever you decide to believe, that's what your authority is going to come from. You're going to authorize whatever your faith is in. And either your faith is going to be in the power that I gave you and the ability that I gave you and the strength that I gave you, or you're going to allow yourself to take on the solution of darkness. Both of us can't be your answer, and both of us can't be your way out. You're either going to have to change your mind to match what you know is true, to match what you've been reading, to match what you've been hearing, to match what you've been preaching, or not. You're going to have to shift your thoughts. You're going to have to shift your understanding. You're going to have to shift your mentality and perspective so that you have to be congruent from the top of your head to the crown of your to the sole of your feet. You have got to be congruent in every part of you. You cannot have you cannot have this double-mindedness. You cannot pray and bring power and then walk around and be weak and inferior in your own self. You cannot play around with the ideas of what you can't do. You cannot play around with the ideas of what's going to make you weak or 
stronger than us, and we know it. My God. Even when she's down, she ain't out. <laughs> oh, come on in the place. I know we're talking about this, but this is going to where we're going. I know y'all don't believe me, but this is all heads somewhere. We all in the place of that composition. What are you composed of? Are you going to live by your desire or by your desires? Oh, are you living by your desire or by your desires? Bipolar. Bipolar. Your desire is saying you're created for this, but your desire is saying you want that. Bipolar. Keeping you in mania. Keeping you in hysteria. Keeping you in confusion. Keeping you unable to produce sadness, immobility. Oh, come on in the place. Because you're wondering why your life becomes stagnant. Heaven said we can't move because you are all over the place. There is no unity. He said, what, what am I? The Father, the Spirit, and the Son agree as one. We are one. They make things happen because they are one. There is a oneness, and you have to be one within yourself. Your mind has to be one with your spirit. Your spirit has got to be one with your heart. Your heart has got to be one with your will. Otherwise, you will not move things. At one minute, you over here producing and manifesting this, and the next minute, you all okay, come on. That's right with devil. And wondering how he's getting in. Oh, I don't know why I'm all of a sudden struggling with the speed of love. Come on here. I don't know why I'm all of a sudden dreaming about that. It just needs to be somewhere. Wow. Inconsistency. And the enemy is taking advantage of the fact that he knows that the, all of you are not whole. Oh, come on, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. That you might be made whole. That all of you agree. Your language agrees. Your thoughts agree. Dr. Price won't even allow her dreams to disagree. No, 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 that's a breach. That's a head in the Somebody trying to uh-uh, tamper with my witness. <laughs> Sometimes tamper. Something trying to tamper. Yes. And people say she's religious. They say she's legalistic. They say she's judgmental. They say she's all of those things. Mm-hmm. Because she fights to maintain agreement and wholeness. Well, I mean, I believe in the power of God and stuff, but I'm not trying to, like, you know. I, I agree in God, you know, that we should have righteousness and, and that we should live right, but I'm not trying to tell people what to do. Right. Our doctrine is bipolar. <laughs> and that we're wondering why we're producing mania in the church. Right. One minute is, yeah, 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 I mean, God's righteous and God's sovereign, but, you know, we can't be telling people, like, you know, he's not going to impose his will on me. <laughs> <laughs> What? What is that? What is that? That's what that's how the enemy can get in. And see you and that he can weave yourself consistently into the belief system by keeping you fractured about your opinion on your God. He fractures your opinion on your God so that he can guarantee he always has a way in and that he never put out and that he can coexist in alcohol or go out. In your heart and soul. Well, I don't want to judge you. I mean, I know that's wrong. I don't want to do it. Don't accuse me. I don't want to. I mean, I know we should be listening. 
like, you know, and have a standard, but let's not be legalistic. <laughs> because the enemy always wants a way back in. Let's be put forth his hand. Very good. You need some cherubim. You need some guardians at your door and at your gate. Let he put forth his hand and make your salvation of no effect and cause you to trample underfoot the Son of God. You don't have any guardians in your place because you're more concerned about the approval of man than the righteousness of God in securing your salvation and your eternal life. These people won't be in heaven to back you up on this place. The devil won't even be able to back you up on this play who's seducing you. He will be he will be locked away. And you'll be by yourself. Heaven is the staircase to God. So why did you stand up for truth? Um, well, because what had happened was, see, my, uh, my friend had seen it. <laughs> I I know people think this is crazy, but I literally rehearsed my excuses for why I'm not going to do something the way God wants me to out loud as if I'm before the throne to see how that's going to land. <laughs> how would that land? Wow. So the reason I wasn't obedient is because well, I wanted to have a boyfriend. Education is not just book knowledge. 
is hands-on experience. When they're wanting to particularly that's never been done before, what they do is try to simulate the intended environment. They put you in a simulation. Before you get to the real deal, they give you a simulation. See, this right here, where we're living in this life, in this world, in this planet, is just a simulation. So now I can text you. I can sift you. I can separate you. And you can sort through who you are and who you want to be and how you want to perform and live forevermore. Simulation. Everything here is simulated. Because simulation, what we're going to talk about next week, is going to be is a root of one word we're going to be looking up. Right down herself. Simultaneity. On earth as it is in heaven. See, the goal is that God's trying to get you to operate here on earth as they do in heaven. That you would be able to simulate on earth what they're doing in heaven. And that we'd be doing this at the same time. Parallel mirrors. What did he say? But the earth is a type of shadow, a mirror of the heavens. A reflection, a mirror. So we are supposed to be mirroring the world of heaven not trying to figure out how we should justify our lives on earth. We're preaching gospel right now to justify the life we have in the flesh. But God's saying, but the life you have in the flesh is a simulation, and I'm using it to help me see how you're going to live or reflect who we are in heaven. You will know, we will know you belong there because you are a reflection of us and not the reflection of what took over. And if you notice something about darkness, it doesn't have a reflection. It has a shadow, but not a reflection. Darkness has a shadow, but not a reflection. Y'all with me? So when we get back together, we're going to talk about as it is in heaven. The Lord's Prayer. Never forget something that's so important that people, you know, really miss about why God is in control. Heaven is running earth. Earth is a slave to heaven. It doesn't like it, but it can't do anything about it either. Anything that was made, this phone is a slave to Samsung. Windows is a slave to Microsoft. You are a slave to what created you and what predates you. Oh, yeah, we 
And on that note, we're going to talk about that. Did y'all enjoy that tonight? Did we do all right, Tess? Did I do okay? Did I do all right, Facebook? Did we do all right tonight? We did all right. I did my best. Now, I'm not sure which is which, so praise the Lord. This is. <laughs> this is. Yeah, yes. yes, yes, yes. I want you guys to remember that this week. That what is taking you out is not the power of the enemy. What's taking you out is your lack of persuasion in who God really is and in who God really is in you. When you're not persuaded, you can't move in his power. His power works by persuasion. Jesus was fully persuaded. He was fully convinced. James said that you can't do anything. You have to have faith without doubting. You can't even doubt a little bit. Didn't I say it? They said if anyone doubts, he will not get anything. And you're being taken out. And let me tell you something. Your doubts aren't just coming the way we think. Oh, I'm doubting God's existence. Oh, I doubt God is great. No, they get you to doubt God in little ways. Did God really say? Does the Bible really say? Is that God for you? They get you to doubt in little ways who he is. Oh, God wouldn't do that. God wouldn't say that. Think about it. Oh, that's okay. He knows your heart. He gets you to doubt him. And not only to doubt God as the creator in existence, but to doubt his way. To doubt his will. To doubt his world. And to doubt his position and power and sovereignty as God. It doesn't start with the big thing. It starts with the little ways in which you begin. The enemy gets you to start questioning what you know. And if you don't have an argument, as Paul said, passing down arguments, if you don't have an argument, Jesus wants to be had an argument in the wilderness. If you don't have an argument and a defense for what you believe, he will take you out. And you will find yourself falling back into bondages and falling back into captivity because you didn't fully believe or weren't fully persuaded in the Christ in you. That's the identity you have got to be fully persuaded by. When we all make mistakes, don't float with weakness. See, y'all don't have to understand. Like, you know, y'all don't have to say, y'all don't understand. This is where I'm at today. Like, I'm just don't flirt with weakness. Oh, these people about to drive me to. Don't flirt with weakness. Don't flirt with your weakness. I'm not really sure I can do this. I don't think that God is not sure if God can pull this off. I'm not sure if I can pull this off. I'm not good at that. I'm not smart with this. I'm not. Come on. Every time you go into that line of thinking, you give your power and authority to something else. You have got to work on congruency from head to toe, from inside out. Everything is going to be trying to spill your ability to feel confident and powerful in God. 
everything. All week long, it's going to come after that. Come after the words that God has prophesied to you. Come after the things that you know are true. And he's always going to get you to flirt with your own weakness and play around with your weak thoughts and play around with your feebleness and play around with your mortality all week long. Child, you know, I can't do that right you know, that just ain't in me. Well, you know, I don't have the strength for that. Well, you know, that's just not my way. Well, you understand that I'm uncomfortable with this, that, or the other thing. And we do it all day long and all week long because the enemy likes to remind us of our mortality. But that's when you have to stand up and start reminding him. Oh, come on. Of your identity in Christ. This is not supposed to be for show. This is not supposed to be for entertainment. This is supposed to be getting you results in your life. This is about God being able to perform something for you and in you every day. And we get off of that point. Christianity only becomes a religion when you think everything's just a ritual and not a life change and not a power source. When these words become nothing but something nice to say, a, de- a devotion, and a point of encouragement, and we keep thinking that everything Paul said, and God had to remind me that he said that that brother gave you the weapons of your warfare. They weren't religion to Paul. This man was persecuted. He was being killed. His life was on the line. When he said this Finally, be strong in the Lord. When he was telling us about the full armor, he was not talking to us in religious terms. He was talking to us from a life experience. He was trying to tell us that the only way you can survive is do this life in Christ. We made it religious. We made it uh, uh, fortune cookies. We made it Devo slips. We made it bookmarkers. But this was a man's existence. That was a revelation that came from what he lived, from being stoned, oh, come on in the place, from being bit by a viper, from being stranded out at sea, come on, from being whipped 39 times, three times. That came out of a man's experience. This is the only way to get it done. He had to tell me that God just woke me up and just told me that, but there's only one way to do this. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, not because we needed a way to preach the gospel and something to write on a track for people to believe. This came out of their experiences. Jesus knew there was only one way to beat the devil in the wilderness. There was only one way to do it, not several ways. And you can't do it half-stepping. You can't do it half-hearted. You can't do it being unpersuaded and not convinced yourself. That power of that word comes out of a living experience, being a living epistle and not a walking quote or slogan. Those are to inspire you, inspire you, to remind you. But at the end of the day, you have to work this word that's in you. And it takes work. That's why he said work out your salvation. We don't go and worship our salvation. We work on it every day. And we don't allow ourselves to forget what it costs and what it takes to preserve and protect what Christ put on us, on the inside of us. Oh, come on in this place. I want you all to know that this week. 
Don't flirt with darkness and don't play with your weaknesses. God you have to excuse me. He already know I can't. Y'all already know I don't see you. Come on, listen to our language of how many times. Pay attention this week on how many times you excuse yourself and how many times you fall back on your weakness. And God had to just show me just in one day. I was like, oh, Lord, I don't know how to, uh, uh, what, what don't you know? He said, see, we got to clean up that language. He said, because your power is going to come from potency. That potency is going to come from consistency. Right. Be the same all the way through. This week, be the same all the way through. Be whole in every thought, in every word, in every language. Even if you can only do it for one day, at the very least, it will make you aware of what is taking you out. You will be exposed to the sources in your life that are really debilitating your ability to grow. Pay attention to your thoughts. Pay attention to your language this week. How many times you refer to things in the negative? What you can't, how God can't, what you won't, what you need, what you don't think you can live without, well, ain't nobody perfect. Why are we catering to our imperfections? Why are we catering to our imperfections? Why? If we believe the power of the cross, why are we catering to imperfection? That's our challenge for the week. Amen? I want you guys to sow tonight. If you want to give, www.colorprice.com. We're sowing into strength this week. We're sowing into strength this week. We're sowing into wholeness this week. Because God is going after making us whole in our thoughts and complete through and through. And I want you guys to know that. You can give to www.colorprice.com. Ah, yes, God, thank you. You can sow a seed into that strength. You can sow a seed into your own transformation and your own conversion this week. God, pull down those veils of blindness that keep us, Father God, enthralled in our imperfections and that keep us catering to the things, Father God, that make us weaker, that siphon off your power, that stagnate our growth, that make us immobile in what you have given us to do, that make us, Father God, find pacifiers to our pain and the things, Father God, we feel are justified in our, mm, yes, God, in our, in our ability to stay where we are, to be familiar and to be in the comfortable and to be, Father God, in what makes us feel better. God, I thank you that we don't even realize that certain dark uh, uh, platitudes and dark, dark comforts, if you will, keep us in that place. We have things already put up and stationed in our lives to resort to when we're in struggle, to resort to when we feel defeated, that keep us incapacitated, that keep us in that yoke of bondage, God. We have all of those things stationed there. And, Lord, this week, I'm asking that you would turn the light on, that you would go into every heart, that you would go into every mind, that you would go into every spirit, that you would go into every all the aspects of our will, that you would go into every home, God, and visit them this week and show them the areas, God, in which the enemy is taking advantage of their inconsistency, taking advantage of the double-mindedness, taking advantage of their insecurities and their doubts and the things that they're trying to work out, taking advantage of confusion, of confusion, fusing two separate things together, God, making us spiritually bipolar, making us spiritually manic and crazy, and making us, Father God, drop our calls and purposes, even walk away from good opportunities, walk away from open doors, 
can go and strengthen our own brethren and strengthen the areas of our life that have been tampered with by this weakness, uh, that have gone unchecked uh, and that have gone unregulated while we were consoling our own pain and brokenness, God. But I thank you for rebuilding us, making us whole again, making us whole again, making us whole again, God. I thank you for it, God. Let it be done, let it be so, and let it be now on every life here in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Join us next week. We're going to talk about simultaneity and whatever else the Holy Ghost brings up as we continue our journey going before the garden. Okay? By our favorite author, Dr. Paula Price. Make sure you catch her on Sunday. Uh, catch Prophet Ashley on Friday. We got uh, Saturday morning kids coming up as well. So stay tuned into this world that we have here. Amen. Thank you, Warrior Nation. Good night. Is that all right? Did y'all learn something tonight? Y'all gonna go home this week and catch up on the weaknesses, ain't you? You gonna be listening to your thank you. Listen to your own language. Thank